to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle's Geeks with uh, Blake Howard and Sophie Live. Honker honk. Hello, honks. Hello, honks. Honk, honk, honk. This is Gaggle of Geeks, the honking show. <laughs> the weekly geekily with geese at the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> no, we don't always honk in it. We do like honking about a lot of geeky things. Yes. And this week, <laughs> there's plenty to honk. So much to honk. I thought you were throwing shade at one of the movies you were about to talk about so hard before we started recording. It was amazing. I was like, oh <laughs> I my. It really wasn't. <laughs> and then you just like, you were like, that's brilliant. And I'm like, what, what did, did I, I do? do? <laughs> what did I do? understand <laughs> but no um the biggest thing the thing that has happened this week though like oh i should introduce ourselves first yeah probably do that yeah i'm sophie live <laughs> <Blake Howard. laughs> from uh, 2su's gaggle of geeks podcast yes and sophie's the host of so hot right now the pop culture show every saturday on 2su indeed and gaggle of geeks was just a 10 minute segment that mm. exploded into its own very own podcast yes which is now what? It started as a pretty short podcast, half hour, and now it's about now. We doubled it within three weeks. Because the rants don't stop, so if no. we've got like three topics this week, and we're going to keep this tight. Can we? I don't know. Oh, see. <laughs> Can we? Yes, we uh, Well, considering not. last week my rant was about tea. Oh, that was a good rant. That was a good rant at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Four dollar tea bag. Four dollar tea bag. You were fiery From about that. Twinings. $4. Twining four dollar tea bag. You were freaking angry. That was Wouldn't good. you be? Yeah. I don't there's not much... Oh, I don't even know if there's a rant. I'm gonna have to see if I can find one on the way. Mm. Um <laughs> But look, it's a big week for geeks. Um up and down the sort of spectrum. We've got a massive sequel mm-hmm. with Pacific Rim Uprising, which is out now, so it's going to give us a bit debrief on that. So it's going to also catch us up on Jessica Jones, and then I'm going to talk about the big release for next week because we are going to be having a two-week break yes. over Easter. I'm yes. going on holidays. Yes, I'm just asleep in bed. So it's going to sleep. Well deserved sleep. I'll be on holidays. Um, so I'll be catching up on Ready Player One, which is going to drop just before the Easter break, which is yep. literally a big 80s geek gaming mashup movie. And that's based on the actual book, right? Based on the book by Ernst Klein, and he actually was the co-screenwriter. He wrote a draft, and I think Zach Penn, um, who right now is trying to resurrect the Matrix trilogy over at Warner Brothers, mm. um, or, sorry, not resurrect the trilogy, but have an expanded Matrix universe happening. Um, he actually co-wrote it as well with that, and obviously, Signor Spielbergo um, was behind uh, behind that one. So we'll, we'll talk about, those are the big ones this week. But the biggest is this. Actually, that may have been me. Oh, you're living the dreams, DP. Yeah. Devil may care attitude. <laughs> Strong guys. Beautiful girlfriend. Sorry I'm late. I was rounding up all the gluten in the world and launching into space where it can't not hurt us ever again. Kiss me like you miss me, Red. 
What in the fucksicle is this? My name's Cable. I'm here for the kid. What? The kid? Move or die. Kids give us a chance to be better than we used to be. He needs you. You're a lot smarter than I look. I ain't letting Cable kill this kid. But I can't do this alone. Can you speak up? It's hard to hear you with that pity dick in your mouth. We're gonna form a super duper fucking group. We need them tough, morally flexible, and young enough to carry their own franchise for 10 to 12 years. We will be known as X-Force. Isn't that a little derivative? You're absolutely right. Now, let's go get our fuck on. Don't call it a comeback! Tell me they got that in slow motion. Doing the right thing is messy. But if you want to fight for what's right, sometimes you have to fight dirty. Nat is why Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is pure pornography. Oh, God, I wish I finished college. It lives up to the hype, plus plus. Fuck it, they probably won't even make it three. Yeah, why would they? Stop it, too. You killed it. <laughs> Deadpool 2! Oh, my gosh. Brand new trailer dropped this morning. Oh, my golly gosh. <laughs> Looks so fun. So much fun. Got a touch of the loopers about it, which I was cool about. I mm. was happy with that. And it just looks great. Like, it's more of the same. Just bring it on. It is. And it was a bit more confirmation that this will be an X-Force. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, film. It's like, yes. Yeah. And so, there's going to be a standalone X-Force movie later, but it's a good sort of kickoff. Yeah. they got good funny people in this movie. Terry Crews is in there. I know. Yeah. Like, it's. it looks like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then... Good old Julian Oh, my Denison. God, Julian Dennison. But when they were like, I want the child, I was like, wait, he's Hope? Do they make <laughs> turn Hope, like, you know, the messiah of the mutant world, <laughs> into a, a 15-year-old Kiwi boy? Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> and if, if they can continue to, like, reinsert Kiwi children into all of these key roles, I'll be totally happy. <laughs> Ricky Baker? Oh, my God. What a bad egg. <laughs> the- Biggest, baddest egg. <laughs> Smashing stuff. <laughs> Throwing rocks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in. It, it's only going to be great. Yeah. And they don't let Julian Dennison speak, which tells me they're mm. keeping a massive ace up their sleeve for all of the Ryan Reynolds and Julian Dennison greatness that can be there. Oh, can you imagine just being oh. on set while those two riff? Oh, my God. It's going to be fun. He's a funny kid. He's a real funny kid. So, look, yeah, I'm super excited about Deadpool talk because it just, like, Deadpool's a nice relief um, mm. To take the piss out of this, you know, to take the piss out of this entire exercise. So I'm really keen for it to like I know, keep coming because Marvel's now like, okay, we're back in take ourselves so seriously now because Infinity War is coming. Yeah, so bring a team up movie together yeah. with Deadpool too, and then just take the living piss out of it for an hour and a half. Also, when he was drinking like the X across his chest, I was like. Is this, so, are you, you trying to be Wakanda? I think he might. <laughs> I think he might say something. There's going to be a Wakanda Forever joke in there, one hundred percent. Zazie Beats is going to be the one to drop it. Oh, oh, it's just. 
And just even a small touch, like mm. that, you know, all that explosive, all like the jokes, all all the characters are back. When it said from the studio that brought you twenty seven dresses, <laughs> I'm like, this there's already one. It's they, it's gold, done. done. That's it. Perfect. We're now sold. they just need to get Catherine Heigl as a villain in one of the films. <gasps> oh my gosh, Blake, why aren't you working at a studio? I ask this to myself often. Like, why? <laughs> why I don't know, Soph. Have you been taking calls that I don't know about? <laughs> the, the ca- on the gaggle of geeks, freaking voicemail. Uh, Marvel? No, no. Well, Fox. Fox. If you're listening. Disney. Soon to be Marvel. Oh, who knows what who it knows? is? Who knows? Everything's going to be Disney. Blake, would love a job with you, suggesting Catherine Heigl in every available role. <laughs> oh my god! In every every available villain role, just put her in there for five minutes, shoot her in the face. How easy would that be? You would like the internet would be ablaze just for the joke. <laughs> anyway, got to do it. But yeah, that was really fun. And you know, speaking of trailers, the other massive one this week mm. was the Avengers Infinity War trailer, which we're gonna have a listen to in a second, which has just gotten a squillion views. Uh, last count, uh, nearing forty-seven million. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> have a yeah. listen. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. Ambitious crossover event ever. No, they're not calling it that. 
Some dumbo said that and just created a meme war. <laughs> it is amazing. I'm enjoying the meme I'm war. I'm enjoying the meme war. <laughs> More Ma- than that. Like, most ambit- Avengers is the most ambitious cross- like, crossover event ever. And then it's everyone is just like me. My favorite one was actually done by one of my friends, which was like an open bag of Doritos that had a taco in it. <laughs> I was like, that's so stupid. But I re- it was really tickled me. Um, yeah, look, it's massive. Like, there's no two ways about it. It's massive. And, you know, by all accounts... They're, they're not shy. They're like, people are going to die. They're like, this is actually yeah. a crescendo for a bunch of these characters. And um, it looks rad. Like, it does look great. You can't deny it. Like, the, it's, the trailer is rousing. You know every character. The massive problem we have with these movies, and, you know, I think uh, Civil War was kind of the synthesis of it, even though it, it, it very much kept a really a pretty decent flow, is you can't wait for all of your characters to be on screen together and then you can't wait for them to be underutilized and bitch about it when you walk out as in you don't get enough time with each character so um well that's what don't let the fans get what they want because that's what happened with spider-man 3 yeah (laughs) but look you know there's a lot of really great people who've put a lot of hard work into making this movie and like what are we up to 19 movies in Mm. you know in a decade i think it's gonna i think it should be good like, uh, you hope that it's good. I hope so, because the problem is, it is an ensemble film. And, you know, when they finally did Avengers, and you're like, well, you've got so many people who are all leading people together in one film. How are you going to balance that? Now you've got, like, that across five different, like, families within Marvel. You're like, But But you okay. know what, Mar- but what Marvel knows, and I think this is what's smart, mm. They've already said that the the characters, the two characters that get the most screen time in this movie, Thanos, mm-hmm. Thor. Mm-hmm. There's a hierarchy. Make no bones about it. Thor, I'm Cap, glad. Thor, Cap, Iron Man, top. Everyone else, second. Like, that's what it is. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, of course, Chala, like Black Panther, but he's next phase. He's, he's not, like the king yeah. of the next phase. He's support for Cap at yeah, this stage. Yeah, he's support for Cap. You know, Peter is support for Iron Man. I don't know. And, I see his allegiance like shifting towards and, and, a bit and, there and, and, in that trailer. You know, and Peter Peter's the the backup mm. for Iron Man because he's yeah. the youth and, and injected it out, and you got Shuri coming in there as well. Yeah. Um, and then you know the Guardians guys are the takeover for the Intergalactic with Thor. Like we're probably gonna, you know, it's not like it's not out of the realm of possibility that we're gonna come into this movie and Cap's gone because Chris Evans is done. After these two movies. I told you, and that trailer nearly was pretty much cemented it. Nah. <laughs> Thanos can't believe that he's withstanding him. That's what's cool. And then he'll crush him. Yeah, he might, maybe. And then everyone will be like, no! No! <laughs> no, I reckon Thor's dead. I reckon Thor's dead. I don't know about Cat. I think Thor and Iron Man they may not last through this. I th- yeah, I don't know. I think I think Cat will make it through. But, you know, in my notes today, it's like, please be Bucky. Please be Bucky on the... I'll kill that dumb Jesus. Or who will survive? Please be Bucky. (laughs) But everyone's also going, it's Hawkeye, because he didn't appear at all in the trailer. He's not there. Yeah. He's not there at all. It's like, where is he? Is he dead? (laughs) There's a million people. That's the other thing. How do you decide with two minutes what to show? Getting people excited. Mm. Hawkeye's not as exciting as... Oh, I would say he's way more exciting than Doctor Strange, but he's... Right, um, I was going to say, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, but he's not as exciting as, like, 
Thanos, just even Thanos, that great spot of Gamora when she's a little girl, clearly mm. on some intergalactic raid that he's done when she was a baby. It's like pretty rad looking at that. Like that's that's going to be the cool stuff. But yeah. Anyway, it's massive. Lots of people watched it. We clearly have. We've already watched it before talking to you about it. So, well, it was. It did drop just after we dropped our last episode. It's like like everything. Like everything. <laughs> we try a time it right, and then no, no, it doesn't exactly work. Let's say no. Well, from one uh, one of the most ambitious crossover events to one of the most ambitious adaptions. Shall we play the sting? Yeah, let's sting. We're looking for a new food critic. Someone who doesn't immediately poo-poo everything he eats. No, it usually takes a few hours. Let's get into a review of Ready Player One, Ernest Klein's book. Um, basically, it's about a not-too-distant future, sort of 2040, 2050, where a sort of weirdo Steve Jobs, Willy Wonka mashup dude, um, played by Mark Rylance, invents something called the Oasis. And it starts out just purely as a gaming platform, but then it basically turns in to an like an alternate reality where people can go in and become anything that they want to, live out their lives. And you can kind of sort of coexist. There's like basic stuff that you can just do and bomb around in this world. Like it's just very open to explore. And then there's weird and wonderful worlds that you can fight, explode things and, and live a game of life. So it's like Second Life. Pretty much. It's like Second Life. It's called The Oasis. Um, um, are people like remortgaging their houses for this? Uh, what's really weird is that there's kind of a democratization of being able to access The Oasis. So it seems like even poor people who live in like slums can still access it. But how you experience The Oasis, so like you can go in there with just a ragtag silly visor that looks like, you know, terrible swimming goggles and like cruddy gloves and you can have some access. And then you can go into full haptic suits like that, you know, you can feel what your character feels or your avatar feels rather, or you can, um, you know, have full immersive like, uh, you know, um, like orbs, things that you sort of sit in and, and, and run around or run on omnidirectional mats in your house and stuff like that so you can jump and leap over things instead of just leaping over your furniture. Um, basically, this guy, you know, Ernst Klein's book, let's just put it right in front straight, yeah. is a mashup of all these things and he makes characters mash up. He, his main character, played by Mark Rylance, he makes that character, um, and I'm just going to look up his name so because I, I know I'm going to say it wrong. Um, he makes that character essentially a Willy Wonka mashup. So, so when he gets that Willy Wonka mashup, he says he leaves three Easter eggs right. hidden within the Oasis in order to, if you find them, you own it when he dies. So when he dies, he passes away. He actually plays Halliday. Okay. Um, and Halliday says, I'm dead. He leaves a message behind in an avatar message and says, if you can unlock, you know, there's three games that are happening on in the Oasis. Whoever can win the three games and unlock the Easter eggs wins control of the Oasis. So then you get a bunch of people that are going after it. You get Ty Sheridan, who's played, his name's Wade. His uh, avatar's called Parzival. And it becomes this epic thing where people are going through these tasks like levels of a video game. In fact, with their own video game characters to unlock this this history, uh, you know, to, to unlock the potential to run this because it's taken over the world. Okay, that sounded long and complex. But I'm sorry if that was really long and complex. But uh, this that, is the thing, though, because I've heard some very mixed reviews about this film. Yeah, it's. So, what did you think, Blake? 
Uh, it was okay. It was fun. I, I actually, like, I had fun watching it. Um, the big fear with people who are adapt from, you know, people who love the book and in the adaption was that it was just going to be this totally, like, unmanageably obsessive nostalgia trip down the 80s. And it kind of wasn't. Um, I think it did well. My big trouble was, like, I know it's so impossible to escape. You just want pure escapism. My My only issue that I had with this movie was just the context of the world that it was in. Like, it was in a shitty version of our world, essentially, mm. where there are a stack more poor people and there's a stack of overpopulation. And, you know, what people do when there's, like, really shitty things that they can't control is they try and find escapes. And the Oasis is an escape. But at the same time, as I'm watching this game unfold and people escaping their lives, I'm like, isn't that what they want us to do? <laughs> Isn't that what they want? And I think this is my fundamental issue with it. Yep. Isn't that what they want? And I mean they in the like weird conspiratorial they. Like, isn't that what people in power who want things to stay the same so that we just keep paying our taxes and we keep being drones and we keep just doing the same shit every freaking day? Wouldn't that what they love? We go into a place where we're toe taken away from every piece of our shitty lives or we're super poor and we're like haven't got jobs or whatever the case may be so that we're completely controlled and I think that that's what the great thing about the Oasis thing is, is this perfect democratization but the way that some of that story intertwines for me I was just like this is weird because like although they they touch on the outside world and it's definitely a dimension of this story it doesn't like it feels like a really small pocket it's like yes there are corporate interests you know and we love ben mendo mendelson um who who plays the villain in this um sorrento mm. he actually works at this company called um io i think it's ioi or one on one or something like that it's a bi- like a, a play on the binary um and he's he's actually the villain of the piece because he's got a whole bunch of people who come into these like futuristic internet cafes called use like they're like user centers and you go in there and you basically give away your life so that you play games for them so they can find these games, like, so they can find these Easter eggs and and unlock this future so they can take control of Oasis and do what they want with it. Turn it basically into our Facebook and Instagram feeds with sponsored posts in 80% of your vision. Um, so, so I guess for me, yep. when you talk about, like, what the basics are, you know, you get Wade and you, he meets his awesome array of friends. You know, he's got people like Lena Waithe in there. Um, you know, he's uh, Philip Zhao um, is another little uh, uh, another li- little kid gang member that he's got there. There's a, such a great diverse array of kids in there who do an amazing job, like all young people in there that are really vibrant and do this amazing job when you just stick to the game going through the elements, going through the fun, going through the silliness. Like, the first is a car race where the dinosaur from Jurassic Park and King tr- and King Kong try and stop you. The second is, like, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, it's you, ex- you enter the world of a movie, a classic movie, and not a movie that you would readily think of as a classic movie, but you enter the world of this classic movie and you... you you go into it in an, like in an immersive way, and it's absolutely amazing. And then at the end, you go into this kind of Lord of the Ringsian battle where the freaking Iron Giant is like fighting giant robots. It's cool. So it wasn't too much. Let's just stick every pop culture reference into this film just for the sake of it. No, it wasn't. Like it was kind of fun. Everyone's going to have their own reference. Mm. Everyone's going to have their own fun. And I think when it was the fun stuff and it was the spectacle and and that stuff and 
I, I kind of liked because I think Spielberg does an amazing job of being able to temper the in like the outside world with that world, but the the wider world. It was like it was happening in this bubble. Like the yeah. Oasis is a bubble, and it's happening in a bubble. And the the thing that like disturbed me the most is like, how did we get to this position where people live in vertical trailer parks, <laughs> where they're all poor as shit? Yeah, and they're enslaved by this game, and they want to get out of there. But nothing else is happening. Like, people are still living their lives happily rich in the cities and doing whatever. But this growing... Like, that kind of disturbed me. Yeah. So, at the end of it, I was kind of like, huh. But I didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. Okay. No, I didn't hate it. There's one scene that I... Probably for the reason I didn't hate it, which is like a mashup reference between the Iron Giant and Terminator 2. <laughs> which I was like, this is great. <laughs> like, it actually made me smile a lot. And I laughed out loud. So, yeah, no, it's fun. It's weird. It's fun. It's yeah. not bad. Okay. Not as bad. You know, I've seen people really take, you know, take a, uh, issue with it. I feel like some people are taking it very personally. <laughs> yeah. Look, no, sorry. I think there are some really well-articulated takedowns of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone who reads those takedowns take the takedowns personally. Right. So then it turns into this big shitstorm of like, oh, you didn't hate it. Well, you... <laughs> and it like turns into this. But, and... And look, it's not a, like, I don't think it's a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's not my favorite Spielberg of recent times. It's not the best movie he's ever done. But he's a masterful filmmaker. And there, you know, I think he did an amazing job with whatever the script was. He did a really good job. And I like the special effects. I like the performers. And like, I even was happy, happily on the ride. Like, if we're talking about direct comparisons, I probably like, I probably like Ready Player One as much as I like Tomb Raider, if not more. Mm. Um, as far as just pure, like, entertainment, pure spectacle. Um, but when I sort of dig deeper and you're like, what is this movie about? Like, and what world is it set in? What's the context of this world? It just feels like, it it feels like more of the same. It feels like in a world where we're so stuck in our own little pockets and our own little echo chambers, it's like, oh, don't worry about anything that's going on in the world because we've got this fucking giant echo chamber of eighties references for everyone to hide in. (laughs) And it's like, that's what the movies are right now. Like it's this weird thing. It's like, no, what happens when we need to get out of there and live our lives? And that's what I was more interested in, but that wasn't what it was about. (laughs) It wasn't what about, it was more about a fun, you know, Easter egg hunting Willy Wonka style game through, um, you know, uh, uh, an eighties obsessed creators inner world being the Oasis. There is that. So just, but not. No, I was. I. I it was okay. It was like okay. it was. It was okay. All of my reviews in this podcast are going to be sprawling and really confused. As in, I like, think that's fine because you can always. I feel like once you watch a movie, you'll be like, "Oh yeah!" Like you have that rush of emotion when you just come out. Yeah, and then the next day, it's like debrief, debrief. Hang on. What about that bit? What about that bit? No, in, what's really weird, in both Tomb Raider and this, um, you know, you got to judge, you can't deny, and this is what this is what the great thing about just anyone experiencing a movie, whether you're a film critic or whether you're not, y- your body doesn't lie. Mm. That's what a, an, an amazing, immersive, like, wonderful film does. It, like, locks you in, and it does something to your essence. Like, you are, if you... I remember watching, like just talking like experiential stuff like for a blockbuster mad max fury road oh i was gripping the fucking handles of that seat i was that was that was a 
ride at that the end of it. At the end of it, I was like, whew, huh, wow, amazing, right? So that's the kind of like, if you, if you measure an action blockbuster, remember the first time I ever saw the raid, I was like, completely my jaw was touching my chest it was amazing and then you see something that's exceptionally moving you know last jedi oh my god cry 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 <laughs> your body doesn't lie in these experiences so yeah. sometimes you know there were some real great moments of fun and spectacle and there's probably if you're if you're a sort of a purely you know if you're purely in there for a visual spectacle and spectacle and you turn your brain off i think you might have a lot excuse me i think you might have a lot of fun with ready player one um uh, and and if you're a gamer and you just really like those references and 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 that's the kind of person that you are, I think you're going to have fun with Ready Player One. But what I was hoping for, and this is what sometimes Spielberg has an effortless touch in doing, is being able to dig deeper to another dimension that like asks questions about what the state of the world is. Because yeah. I think that's something like why Ready Player One isn't the Matrix. Because in the Matrix, it's asking about our very human nature. Like, why do we need to get into a like an autonomous rhythm where we just go to work every day? Like, what what is it about human nature that makes us do that? And it was like, the that was the trick. It was like the AI was plaguing on this fundamental thing in our heads where we just like to do this shit. Whereas Ready Player One, that was not a concern. Yep. Like, it was probably, it, it could have been, it could have accessed some of that cool, weird, psychedelic science fiction, like, what the hell is human nature questions, but it cared way more about what cool suit, buckaroo, bonsai suit could my avatar wear in this next scene. Look, it is hard building an avatar. <laughs> you just have to get the colouring right. Yeah, so that's that's what it's, um, and you, your body can't lie. Mm-hmm. So for both Tomb Raider and Ready Player One, you know, that I were their experiences. I was there. I was watching it, and you know th- there are definitely enjoyable moments. But these are fleeting. In my mind, these are like fleeting movies. They don't stick with you. Like they have no. I think that so much of what we watch now should be measured of its stickiness. Like if you ever want to watch it again, then it's got something. Well, which leads us to our next film. <laughs> It was fun. The Pacific Rim Uprising. Sorry. You can't start this without saying what it is. Pacific Rim Uprising, and I'm going to say this. I haven't had a chance to see Pacific Rim Uprising yet. Pacific Rim, which a lot of the, a lot of my friends, Guillermo del Toro's Kaiju, um, uh, robot fighting Kaiju movie. If you don't know what a kaiju is, it's a giant ass monster that rises out of the Pacific Ocean. Exactly. Godzilla, (laughs) Mothra, et al. Okay. That movie. I walked out of Pacific Rim the first time, and I didn't like it. No? I thought it kind of stunk. And I'm on the island, folks. But I just was kind of like, yeah, spectacle. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I really thought it was quite derivative in some scenes. Now, derivative is not necessarily bad or, like, you know, repetitive if you do it right or it resonates with you. And some people liked it because it, like, almost ticked the boxes of all... The, the great things that all great monster movies have done. It was like that perfect synthesis of that mashup. I didn't like it. But one of my favorite film critics, and if you ever get a chance to read him, his name's Matt zola He's the editor of RogerEbay.com, so he's usually on there writing reviews. He calls it, which is my favorite quote ever about Pacific Rim, he says it's the Citizen Kane of movies where a giant robot smashes a monster in the face with a boat. And I can't disagree with him. So, so with all of that in mind, Pacific yes. Rim Uprising. I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. I don't know if it'll stick with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, will it stick with you for the rest of the week? Uh, 
Like, it was honestly, it was a fun movie. Like, so it's set about 10 years after the first film and we're following um, John Boyega's uh, character who is um, playing Idris Elba's son, <laughs> who, of course, Idris was killed, Stacker. Um, so he's playing a bit of a rebel. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be stuck in the military. He only joined to be close to his dad and then, you know, dad carked it. And then mm-hmm. He rebelled against the system. Spends his time partying in Miami. Is it Miami? No, Santa Monica in half-demolished mansions while stealing sriracha sauce. I like that bit a lot. Sriracha. He was trading bits of... <laughs> is this in the opening scene where he literally is raiding, like, Jaeger slash robot junkyards for parts of that he could trade for sriracha and beer? I can't argue with him. You really can't, can you? No, really dig some sriracha. But then, of course, he gets pulled back in, and then a threat arrives, which is... Or uprise. Uprising. After no breaches, after 10 years, what is going on? Um, but I felt like it was just pretty much John Boyega playing John Boyega. That's fine <laughs> with me. Was, uh, and I hear that he is very good in it. He is very good in it. And he's probably it. the best thing in it. He is. Scott Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's son. And Kikuchi's in it, too. She's a... Freaking boss. Um, she was great, but like Scott, How was Scott like, Eastwood? huh? How was Scott Eastwood? Boring. <laughs> so boring. It's just hey Scott, <laughs> what's up? Boring, huh? <laughs> Bro, there is just nothing interesting about him. Like, yeah, I'll give the movie a chance for John Boyega. But John Boyega is a lot of fun in this film, and the good thing about this film is, you know, you've got his dynamic with the boring Eastwood. Um. But then it's also they kind of have brought in a really young cast as well, a group of like cadets who were training. One of them um, is a girl, um, like a fourteen-year-old girl named Amar- Amani, who is Amara, sorry, and she's actually built her own little baby Jaeger because <laughs> she's like, "I was attacked by a car. You're never going to happen again." They're like, "Well, shit, this girl." Get in the ca- <laughs> um, and it's actually it's really nice seeing that dynamic, just seeing like you know really the, useful dynamic. This useful dynamic with like these older characters who were like, oh yeah, we're like your leaders, and then just like you're not very good at it, are you? No. <laughs> like them being challenged. That was really nice. Um, the, the other thing I had an issue with was like, so Eastwood and Boyega, they're supposed to be playing the like they're the veterans. Um, of the of drifting, like the drifting veterans, they know what they're doing. I have yeah. to say, the kids were much better at fighting in the game than they were. I'm like, do you have any skill except for punch, punch, punch? Yeah, look, wasn't there a big thing with being drift compatible? Mm. And there was like sixty percent that will do. Yeah, <laughs> there like, was literally a lot of that. Yeah. So, um, but the action scenes were good. It is a fun movie if you're like you know looking to chill. Put it on. It it missed a bit of the heart that I felt that I liked in the first film. Yeah. Um, they did try to amp it up, like, on a more fun side, but, um, but yeah, it was... Now, the director is Stephen S. Tonight, who directed Daredevil, and yes. I was talking to you just Plus before we started recording. Plus also Spartacus. Plus Spartacus. <laughs> like, Spartacus is his baby's ass. <laughs> yeah. Like... So, I asked if there was a hallway fight scene, and you said... I said... Well, if you put a kaiju in a between a stack of rows of buildings, then yes, there yes. is a hallway fight. There's scene a hallway fight scene between, made with with a city, with a city where they're literally just pulling buildings on top of him instead of a wall. Fantastic. 
But um, there are a few returns. You have Charlie Day coming back as well. Um, you mentioned before uh, Rinko, Kikuchi. Rinko Kikuchi and Bern Gorman as well. So you have a few returning faces, but pretty much all brand new cast with the same concept that they're playing around with. Nice. But yeah, so Not that sticky, but sticky enough. I'm going to have a thumb up. I'm going to have a you should see Ready Player One. Mm. Well, I'm going to say... Gracie Uprising, like you didn't hear much about it, even though it was filmed partly in Sydney. So it's like, hey, that's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> we are not destroyed, but cool. <laughs> yeah, um, me and John Vega are like this. Mm. Um, I mean, come on, you go to the same barber. Same barber. And, <gasps> and my barber flew to China and like cut his hair while they were filming over there. That is the other thing. I love the international cast in this. Like They literally go everywhere. They're like, Sydney. And then suddenly they're like... China, and then Japan, and then we're just going to go to Siberia for a bit. It is great. <laughs> well, I will say it just for Bo- John Boyega's charm. He seems very charming. He is very charming. He's a good lad. And finally, we're going to talk about Jessica Jones. Yes, Jessica Jones. Where's it rank? I didn't get to see it to the end yet. Where's it rank? Uh, where's it rank? Where's it rank? Is it high, strong, finished really strong? He's strong, man. He's strong. Very strong. Ooh. I loved it. This is the thing. <laughs> so, like, yesterday when I saw Uprising, I was also very, like, sleep-deprived because I was just still watching, like, Jessica like Jessica Jones right to the end. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to go and see this movie as well. But it is so strong. It is a slow burn. This one is not, like, this is slower than the first series, I would say. But it has the, the payoff. It has the payoff. The payoff is so good in this. And Jess is still a mess. Just what I love about Jessica Jones. She's such a mess of a character. Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. She's such a mess. Of course, she's played, of course, by Kristen Ritter. Um, and returning is Rachel Taylor and Eka Darville. Two Australians. We're doing well in that. Does Carrie Ann Moss feature heavily in the second season? She does. She awesome. has a main story arc in it. She has a really ripping story arc in the first one, by the way. A really twisted one, actually. Where Kilgrave like, goes to a house. and oh, oh. That was so nasty in the oh. first one. So she has a, yeah, she, 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 you see a difference. Well, I wouldn't say different, but you see a more ruthless side of her in this as well. Um, but God, Matrix represent. Huh? Matrix represent. You, you, you. But this is good, um, but slow, really slow. That's all right. Slow's yeah. okay. Slow is fine, but I feel like people forget, like, sometimes slow can be good because they just want everything now, now, now. Yeah, look, the very, very, um, the very, very best TV shows mm. can take their time before massive payoffs. Um, like, I, I remember a great quote from David Simon, who's the writer and co-creator of The Wire, mm. and he was at a Q and A, and someone was like, you know, you know, some people criticize The Wire for being quite slow, like taking its time, and he's like. He goes, yeah, like we always envisaged The Wire would be a multi-season, sprawling, epic television show that would be basically a portrait of the city of Baltimore. Mm. He's like, imagine Herman Melville, the guy writing Moby Dick, being criticized that after you've read a chapter of his book, <laughs> that it was too fucking slow because they hadn't caught the whale. And I was just like, that sometimes is the perfect analogy, right? Because television and fi- like television as a format and films are completely different animals as far as yeah. like the, the way you tell a story. And, Absolutely. And you can be as slow as you like. The challenge though, and this is the weird thing. The challenge though is 
just because you can be longer, not to be longer without a purpose. Um, and when you are being a slow burn, a very tactical slow burn, because yep. like, and, and sometimes this is the only criticism that I have, I think of probably any criticism I have of the previous show with uh, Jessica Jones and even the first sort of four or five episodes I've seen of this series is when you've got a really small character base, which they do, there's like three or four main characters. Yeah. Or like a, a, an ensemble of only about four, you do be very, you are, you are super exhaustive on Every one of those characters, even with Daredevil season one, the great thing was that they had like the central trio plus a little bit of other characters and then plus Kingpin. So they were having these massive, like you could have a whole episode about Kingpin Mm. and that was cool. So yeah, I think you just, it's just about like what mood you're in really. Yeah. So this series of Jessica Jones, it is more of an origin story, which I find very interesting because usually it's like first series origin story. Mm. And, you know, that was her kind of dealing with her PTSD while also trying to deal with her... Kilgrave. So, Kilgrave is just constantly at her. Um, he makes a nice cameo in here. Ah, oh, flashback cameo. Flamio. 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 <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a really interesting way of exploring her origin story because there's not like... There's not too many flashbacks. It's like literally her trying to figure out and piece together her past... Because she drank it away. <laughs> she drank it away. But it's also like there is just a missing massive gap in her memory that she needs to figure out while denying her past at the same time nice. because she's Messica Jones. Messica Jones. <laughs> but the other thing I really liked about this season was um, one villain. Like you see a lot with the other Marvel's Netflix series. They'll have like a starter villain. And then I'll move on to a secondary villain. Like, you saw it in Luke Cage, you saw it in Defenders, do we? Of sorts in Defenders. But, like, um, yeah, this is just, like, solid villain throughout. The one big bad, that's all you need. And just just trying to deal with this that's one big bad. That's what Buffy taught us many years ago, folks. Exactly. You need one really ripping big bad. Don't need to bring in five, just no. one. But they did bait and switches in season two where they made Angel the big bad. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers for anyone who's seen Buffy <laughs> 20 years ago. Right. Right. But, yeah, no, it's it's a good burn. And I feel like anything I go into will be spoiler territory. If and since you yeah, haven't don't, finished it. Don't, don't, don't. That's cool. I'm cool with that. But I just want to know that it ended strong. Because, like, it, yeah. My, guys, I've seen about four episodes of it now. Um, probably creeping into the fifth episode. Very solid. But it is slow. And what I was hoping is that the payoff. Because, like, at the moment... In the, the early episodes that I've yeah. seen, it's it's still establishing stuff. There's still some threads that are unfurling, so I don't want to prejudge because I, you know, I'll I'll I will give Jess Jones the benefit that I, of the doubt that I didn't give Iron Fist. Yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Bloody Iron Fist. I. T- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows with that one? But Jess Jones it ends solidly and like strongly. Not. More than solidly, strongly. And it puts the characters in a place where you don't even know where they're going to go. Great. I'm in. Like, the main core, they're all out against each other. So, where that goes, we don't know. Can't wait. As long as there's not another Defenders too. <sighs> well. Well, Chris, Kristen Ritter says she's like, mm, I think it's going to happen. So... As long as Christian Ritter continues to wear those tight jeans. Um, sorry to get creepy and pervy there, but she's beautiful. Like, and not like a, like... I love it, like, look like shit because, you know, 
you're a drunk ass alcoholic in this yeah, show. She's she like, you still look great. She still looks fantastic. <laughs> like she looks like a hot, hot mess, but she's beautiful. Um, yeah, no, she's fantastic. I like Kristen Ritter. I got a lot of time for her. Um, I think she's got she's just got great intensity. Um, yeah, great intensity, and she's just got a great bluster and attitude, and she's good. She's very solid. Mm. You know, got a lot of spunk, and I think it's what you know that character needs it. And yeah, she's she's, she's sassy as all hell, but it's not like she's got a hard edge. And I think she's a great noir detective. I can't, you know, if you and that's if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of noir detectives, yeah. you're gonna lo- you're gonna eat her up. Like she's great. Oh, the noir is like the mystery, the way it unfolds. It's just. Oh, like you'll get it in a couple of episodes when you just say, oh. ah. <laughs> excellent. So, do you have anything to rant about this week? Nah, do we have anyone for the shit list this week? Nah, people have been behaving, it seems, this week. Mm, yeah, we're so lucky that this show really focuses on pop culture, <laughs> not just culture. Culture, uh, because culture. I mean, if you want to talk about shitty people, more people have resigned from Trump's office. <laughs> and more psychopaths have been appointed. Hey! hey. <laughs> so see you in a couple of weeks when the world no longer exists. Shall we leave it on that note then? <laughs> no rant, just farewell world. Ah, uh, look, goodbye cruel world. No, um, I'll say two things. Yeah. Um, have an amazing... Easter break, however the hell you celebrate it, if mm-hmm. you're listening and you're in Oz. If you're not in Oz, we have Easter public holidays here, and so we have a stack of like great public holiday time that we get to have off and spend with family. It's just basically family time for whatever really... It's called Easter here because it started off as a predominantly Christian country in Oz, but pretty much it's just an excuse to have a great time with your family. Look, in this country... If there's something that we can take a day off work and call a public holiday, we will take it. You damn skippy. That should be in the Constitution. <laughs> we, we will, if we will have the shit out of a public holiday. No. Um, so we've got an Easter break, which is awesome. So thank you guys so much for listening and um, rating and subscribing and reviewing and listening along and uh, all that sort of stuff. You can find me at Blakey's Batman. You can find Soph at Soph underscore lie on the Twitters or at 2SER all the time. Um, if you hashtag so hot right now as well, that would be great because that's where you can usually find all of Soph and my stuff. But yeah, I don't really have a rant. I'm going to watch a stack of movies on my break though. Mm, so what's coming out next week? You said Ready Player One next week. Ready Player One's next week. Um, this week, besides Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, there is... Um, a, a, an Armando Iannucci film called The Death of Stalin, which is a really madcap comedy about the death of Stalin. It stars a whole bunch of like <laughs> I was great. Say Jason Isaacs and yeah, that Jason one. Isaacs. Like, I mean, the the cast is d- 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 deep. So just <laughs> check it out. Like, really fantastic cast. Um, Armando Iannucci, if you don't know who he is, is um the guy who does Veep and did In the Loop, which is incredible. So um that's they're, they're sort of the biggish ones. Um, and then in the coming weeks, like it's like before we know it, Avengers is here. Before know. we know it, A Wrinkle in Time Blake, is here. You forgot A Wrinkle in Time. A wrinkle is, in Time is next week. Next week. Then you've got Avengers on, you know, around our Anzac Day public holiday. So yeah, like it's it's just they're gonna come thick and fast from there. And then, Uno. Um, uno. 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 Um, but and then. Deadpool. Deadpool, yes. <laughs> then Deadpool. It's going to just, yeah, the madness is coming. Is. Are you excited? Sort of. Moderately. I really am obsessed with watching, um, like, I've been obsessed with watching a whole bunch of stuff that I've missed from last year, and now I'm pretty excited because it's like... Um, you feel caught up? 
yeah, I feel pretty caught up. Like, there's only a few things I need to catch. Oh, by the way, I bought um, a couple of flicks on iTunes, you know, renting stuff on iTunes. It's something I do quite a lot. And uh, what was really good is that my daughter grabbed the iTunes remote, and I didn't realize the Apple TV was on, so she was just, like, playing all the things that I'd rented until that actually expired. So that was awesome. That happened the other day. <laughs> thank you, Hazel. <laughs> I was like, thank you, my little darling. <laughs> like, I actually said to my wife, I was like, did you watch those movies? And she's like, no. Huh. What happened? Oh, kid had the Apple remote. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I'm going to watch a stack of stuff. Um, I'll line up a stack of stuff. Um, I didn't watch... I, I do have the option to watch Jumanji again. Uh, I really I, enjoyed I, I haven't Jum- seen Jumanji. Really? No, oh, it is fun. So that might... It that is, might... like, jolly good fun. Like, you'll smile throughout it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of more obsessed with uh, just, just, just watching, you know, a stack of movies on my break. So I'm excited about that. So excited. And then I'm going to read your Bibles of Runaways that you also gave me. I know, me, so. I gave you Runaways. <laughs> They're the biggest books ever, by the way. <laughs> the Hardcovers um, by Brian K. Vaughan. I'm still getting through your Detective Comics, so. They're great. Mm, yeah. They're going good. Kate Kane. She's killing yeah. the girl. And then we've got Cloak and Dagger, the series is coming out soon. They released another trailer for that. There's so much stuff going mm. on. And I really want to actually finish the Star Wars Rebels series because it's over. The series is finito. I can finally binge it. You can or... binge it. You can binge it from series one to series four, and you will smash it. it series is. one's good. Series two's way better. Series three, very good. But also, I started to tire a bit of the Star Wars navel gazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, four found its feet again. Yeah, four's been really solid. Except I've just haven't had a chance to sit down and smash it. So I'm going to do that. Excellent. Well, for everyone who's having a long weekend, happy binging. Happy binging, folks. Get binging. Get on your Jess Jones. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, just be like me and watch Nailed but... <laughs> Or Queer Eye. Just or Queer, watch Queer Eye. Eye. <laughs> just watch Queer Again. Eye. <laughs> oh, and there's more RuPaul. <laughs> we'll hey, never... it's pop culture, right? We'll never. Sort of. <laughs> it's a stretch, but I stretch too. Yeah, look, stack to watch and uh, have fun. And if uh, the weather's good, get outside eventually. If it's not, who cares? Eventually. Just Snuggle. Just stay in your... Snuggle. Stay in your cave, your geek cave. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Blake. What are you doing in there? Get away! It's my geek cake. That's <laughs> just your little daughter. Hi, Daddy. What da, in da, here? Da, 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 What's da. in here? No, not my Batman statue. <laughs> no, I have to hide those now. They're just in, they're just in storage. I'm not silly enough to put anything near that child to touch. Just like mm, teething product. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, have fun, folks. Till next Catch time. Catch you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.